Welcome to the Addiction Connection Podcast, connecting the hope of the gospel with the heart of addiction. I'm your host, Mark Shaw, and I'm joined today by a very good friend in Iowa. His name is Pastor Andy Biddle. Hi, Andy. Hi there, Mark. I am so glad to have Andy on the show today. Andy, just a little bit about him, He'll and I'll give him a chance to tell us more if he wants uh, about what he does, but he's the counseling pastor at Living Waters Fellowship, and you can visit the website to learn more about their church at lwfdemoines.com. That's Des Moines, Iowa, and you have to know how to spell Des Moines. It doesn't it's it's not spelled the way it sounds. Um, LWFDemoines.com, Living Waters Fellowship, and you can see Andy's smiling face there. Um, Andy, I've known Andy a little bit off and on over the years and at biblical counseling conferences and different things. Uh, and just every time I've talked to him, really appreciate the way he thinks uh, his he's very organized. He's a good uh, critical thinker, and so uh, when we talked about doing these this new series on the myths of addiction, I um, was thrilled when CJ and Ben mentioned Andy as maybe a possibility. I thought, yeah, that would be great because Andy, you you'll know in just a minute when Andy talks uh, how good a thinker he is. So. Uh, I am really glad to have you on, Andy. And um, tell us a little bit about what you do there at Living Waters, just uh, just a little bit. Well, thanks for having me with you, Mark. It's it's a real privilege, and uh, uh, just just thrilled um, to be on with you. And so, thanks so much. I, you know, my background uh, before I I, I came to be a pastor later in life. My, my early life was spent with the Department of Corrections. I worked for the Iowa Department of Corrections for about 23 years, and I uh, was a correctional counselor um, in my hometown of Mount Pleasant. I'm from southeast Iowa. And so Julie and I left a place where we were born and raised and, and came up to the Des Moines area and and uh, I went to seminary, and, and we, we ended up at Living Waters Fellowship, and uh, it's, been, uh, it's been absolutely fantastic. This is my dream job. This is, uh, I started doing biblical counseling through my local church in Mount Pleasant, and um, honestly, what happened was, just to make a long story short, my conscience, uh, the Spirit of God just wouldn't leave me alone. Uh, I was doing secular humanistic counseling at the prison during the day. And then I would, would take my tie off and, and go over to the local church in the, in the late afternoons and then the evenings and do biblical counseling. And, um, I think, you know, at the prison, I probably could have shared the gospel a hundred times a day easily. Um, but it's just not an environment that's, that, that welcomes that. Uh, kind of thing, and uh, <laughs> right. my conscience really just got the better of me. And my wife Julie said, "We let's make a decision. What are we going to do?" Mm. And uh, so we uh, went to seminary, uh, and uh, 
we got directed to this to Living Waters Fellowship, and we just we started doing biblical counseling. We started making people in our church aware of the sufficiency of the Bible, and just began to handle things as they came to us. And it really has just been building a cultural a, a culture of counseling and care in our church. That's really what it's been. So yeah. it's been a labor of love. It's been fantastic. Learned a, a ton along the way and still learning. And, uh, you know, the more you, the more you're working with people and pastoring people and doing counseling, the more you realize the Bible just has endless vistas of information and help. That's what it is. That's right. So, well, that's been wonderful. That's I feel the same way about being at Grace Fellowship Church that I'm in my dream job. I love it here. I love the folks I work with. I love what I do for the church. And then I'd get to do podcasts and these things for the addiction connection as well. And that's that's a dream come true as well. So I mean I'm just uh I'm I'm living the dream like you are and uh and it's so much fun counseling people with the word of God because it's true. We uh, can glorify God in that and point people to truth, and and the Lord sets people free. He's still in the business of doing that, and I know you, right. you see that too. So, um, but yeah, and you, and you worked in the um, in the prison. You know, uh, that's that's hard work. You see a lot of uh, of of just sadness and hopelessness at some level. Um, and, um, and that's a, that's a very difficult, challenging place to be. Um, like you said, but an opportunity to share the gospel if you can or where you can, or, you know, um, but it's just kind of few and far between opportunities like that. Cause guys aren't always very interested in, in that, but, uh, and then a lot of people struggle with addiction are in prisons. And so. You know, it's and that's primarily where I worked. I, you know, for twenty three or so years, I worked on the substance abuse in the substance abuse program, a licensed substance abuse program. So, wow, those are primarily the the men that I dealt with. So yeah. it can be a pretty bleak world at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for for doing that, and thank you for what you do now. I think it's great. I, I'm so so encouraged when I hear about other churches, especially those in Iowa that are doing biblical counseling. <laughs> I'm teasing you about Iowa, but uh, any, <laughs> any, anywhere I hear it, I'm, I'm thrilled because a lot of churches just stay away from it. They send people out, and, and there you are serving, you know, as, an, uh, as a leader, an elder, a pastor, whatever your title there is in the church. But as the counseling pastor, you are shepherding souls and helping people and not sending them out uh, potentially to, to wolves at times. Sometimes you send them out to, to other sheep or other people to, to care for them, but, but it's really meant to be a local church responsibility to care for the sheep. Yeah, I think um, just what I'd say about that quickly is we, we just want our people to have counseling conversations all over the place. Yeah. And we want, we want, we want formal conversations and we want informal conversations to wrap around the word of God. And so our, 
you know, our, our people are counseling one another all the time. We just want it to be super biblical. We want it to be really biblical That's and right. helpful with each other. So, well, I, um, I'm grateful for that intro just so people can know you a little bit better. And, um, I um I thought I would just intro real quickly for people who might be tuning in the first time. This is actually the final uh, podcast in this series on the myths of addiction. And uh, what we did is we took 10 myths that Dr. Lance Dotis uh, wrote in his book, The Heart of Addiction, which I have a book by the same name. But he, um, Dr. Dotis list these myths and we agree with these myths so we don't disagree but what we wanted to do in this series was take it a little further and talk about the biblical reasons of why we we don't believe the myth um, and I appreciate Dr. Dotis for putting these in there but then take it to you know the scriptural reasons for why and take it a little further than maybe where he goes Dr. Dotis is a bold guy I listen to a little five-minute um, interview he did on NPR about how he believes the 12 steps are harmful and hurting people um, in addiction. And uh, I thought, wow, I mean, he's not a Christian. He's not a believer. But he was very outspoken about it being harmful to like 90% of the people, I think, or, or something. Maybe I, I, I gathered that. But it's like, wow, I mean, he's... He's not neutral about it at all. So uh, so I appreciate his book and his stance in that way. But I, but he's not a believer. He doesn't think about it in a biblical way or in a Christian way. So that's what we're doing today with these myths. And we're going to talk about two of them that I think fit very well. We're going to actually jump number nine. So we're going to do myth eight and myth 10. And uh, before I do that, I want to read Romans 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Very short, very simple verse. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, that's kind of our bulwark verse we'll play off of some in this. But um, let me read myth eight, which says, people with addictions have an addictive personality. And that is a myth, according to Dr. Dotus, and we agree with that too, that people with addictions have an addictive personality. That's a that's a pretty strong myth that's out there. A lot of people believe that even in the church. And so I'm really glad, Andy, that you get to tackle this and I can listen in and uh, help uh, where needed. But uh, I'll let you speak to that. People with addictions have an addictive personality. We believe that is a myth. This is myth number eight from Dr. Dotus's book. Well, I think, um, you know, the... You know, the idea, the pervasive idea about addictive personality is that it sits outside ourselves somewhere. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's something that's external that exerts its influence on me. And there's, there's a lot of components to that, but you know, I, I like what, uh, for instance, like Jeremy Pierre says in his book, the dynamic heart and daily life. And he says, Cognitive thoughts and effective desires and volitional choices are all moral by nature since God designed them to be the means by which the heart worships him. And dysfunction occurs when a heart when a heart worships design is directed away from God. That's sin. 
my emphasis, and towards self, sin much more than an external action hijacks the dynamic heart's beautiful design. And so <clears throat> we would say that it's that it's a person, but it's 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 not it's not something that sits outside of a person. It's that people are sin affected. Everything about us is sin affected. All of us are sinners. We're sinners at our core. Our mind, our our will, our emotions, flesh. They've all been it's all been corrupted by sin. And so sin affects all areas of us and all of us, everyone. It's not something that sits outside that exerts its influence on us. It's it's our hearts that are idolatrous. We, des- we desire to make ourselves the biggest thing. And when we do, when we make ourselves the biggest thing, then, then we reduce God to a seemingly smaller size. But, but when God is in his rightful place, when he is as big as he is, then our problems get reduced to their rightful size. And so it's, it's not something external that sits outside of us. It's us. That's good. I mean, I think that's probably as hopeless a statement when I think, well, I just have this addictive personality. I don't know how I got it. Maybe I got it from my mom. Maybe I got it from my dad. Maybe I got it from my grandparents or further up the line. But I have this addictive personality that's why I struggle with addiction. Well, then that that gets that it's it's a deception, and people start thinking hopelessly. Well, you know, I I don't know how I got it. I just have to deal with it. I have to you know try to own it and blah blah blah. And it it to me it points to God and says, God, you made me this way, or you gave this to me. I don't know how I got it. You know how I got it. And I can see people getting angry with God, don't you think, with with something like this, a myth like this? Yeah, well, I think it it, it offers um, no hope. That's and you know that that's the other thing about addictive personality is that it's almost like a set of behaviors or uh, things that a person engages in that you, you can never get away from, like it's. It's it's outside of me. It's 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 like a, a disease that I can't get away from. And like so, we observe these behaviors, and then it's almost like we have these things that people engage in, and then we've laid over the top of it like this idea that it stands outside of us, and there's no hope to get rid of it at all. The only thing we can do is to continue to accept and remind ourselves that we have this addictive personality that leads to other things. And that's, you know, when you read stuff about addictive personality, one of the ideas about it is that a person with an addictive personality has has these traits and they experience these conditions, these mental conditions, and they're, they're prone to experience depression and anxiety, which can bump you into other um, types of behavior. So it's not just alcohol we're dealing with or, or drugs. We're talking about all kinds of other behaviors. So like a person with addictive personality wouldn't just, wouldn't just have problems with alcohol. They have the potential to have problems with all kinds of things. It just, it's the never ending 
issues that you can't get away from. It mm. just, it leads to a lot of hopelessness. Yeah. There's no real change there. With yeah. Those. Yeah. It's, it's, um, there's no fix for any of this. So you just have an right. incurable, progressive, fatal disease. And in this, th- and it's all theory. That's, that's how they frame it. And uh, like you said, there's no end, there's no solution. It's hopeless. And, what we want to tell people about the truth is, you know, we're all sinners. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That was the Romans 3.23 verse we read. And God tells us that because really addiction issues aren't stigmatized. They're not bigger than life. It's not supersized into this super issue. And so Andy Biddle, Mark Shaw, we, have, we can't help an addict because they need medical care and uh, treatment and expertise that we don't have as pastors, um, that's kind of the thought out in the world. And so they're trying to eliminate people like you and I from helping uh, the addicted. And um, and it's just not true. They really don't have any, any hope or any help for the addicts. So what we would say is, hey, addiction issues are, are real, and, and certainly the substances uh, can have some um, addictive properties in the sense that they feel good. I don't think they have addictive properties per se, but they just feel good and people want more and more and more of it. Obviously, if you don't have certain drugs, you go in withdrawal. So there's that. Um, but that's not an addictive property as much as it's just a consequence of, of using. But we don't supersize sure. this issue and make it so big that you and I and the people listening can't help the addicted. I mean, that is hopeless when you start thinking, well, I have this addictive personality. This issue is supersized. Nobody can really help me other than the, you know, the people at Hazelden or Betty Ford Clinic or wherever. Those are the places that have the real help and the medical care. And I'm going to pay $30,000, $60,000 a month for something that really doesn't work and, and doesn't have any lasting hope. And that's kind of what you're saying. So, yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, years ago, um, this is a, a class that I taught when I worked with the Department of Corrections, Addictive Personality. There were there were tons of material that came out of Hazelden. And um, one of the ideas that was kind of pervasive with it is, is that, a, that a person gets intensity and intimacy confused and the help that they have to have to deal with their addictive personality is to have a nurturing, caring relationship with themselves. They have to learn to self-nurture. And I'd say, well, we're not called to turn to ourselves. We're called to turn to Jesus. I'd say it's, it's, uh, it's Acts chapter four. And and there's no, there's salvation found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved or like Proverbs three, five and six, that's, you know, uh, in counseling, we, we find, you know, we, we have these scriptures that are just kind of on the tip of our tongue that we like to talk through with counselees. But, you know, Proverbs three, five and six has been a great help to me. And I just, I, I continue to come back to it. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own, on your own understanding. Yes. And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. So, I, you know, it's not about having a 
a self-nurturing uh, relationship to just help you deal with your flaws. It's about it's about trusting in Jesus. About trusting in Jesus. That's right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's that's the real need. That's the real answer. And that's why with the addiction connection, we want people who understand the real problem is is sin. It's it's the heart desires. It's it's us, our need for Christ, and the real solution is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. The Word of God and the Spirit work together to change us and to make us more like Christ Jesus every single day. So um, that that's you just nailed the the problem and the solution have to be defined um, in a biblical way, you know, for this to work. So yeah, that's good. Let's talk about myth ten now and the time remaining. Myth 10 says denial is a failure to recognize reality. Denial is a failure to recognize reality. That's the myth that's out there. We would agree that's a myth that's not true. Denial is a failure to recognize reality. Talk to us a little bit, Andy, about about that. This is... uh... This is something that I ran to ran into a lot, um, and I've run into a lot in the treatment world. Just the the idea that a person's well, we can even link it up with addictive personality. That it just that it takes over, and that the only option for someone who's in who's like engaged in addiction, addictive behaviors, is it is that they must leave the door open to return back to their uncontrollable, uncontrollable urges. So that when a person is presented with a choice that they must feel compelled to say that they're still an alcoholic or an, or an addict. And if they don't, then the denial is a part of the disease that kind of defines itself as part of the disease and, and there, people are prone to saying that they're no longer an addict or an alcoholic, um, and that's just what you get when you have the disease of addiction. If that makes any kind of sense at all, like it just kind of goes with the territory of, well, of course they say that they're no longer addicted because that's what addicted people say, and the idea that a person uh, can't change is. That's not a biblical idea. That's right. God changes people all the time, all the time. That's right. You see it all the time. God works in people's mm-hmm. lives all the time, and so it, it it kind of is this idea that denial is this psychological defense mechanism that people employ as part of the disease of addiction. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's. Um, I like how Dotus puts it in the book. I mean, he's, he's talking about people with addictions. They have control. They can make choices. They're not mm-hmm. helpless. And so with denial, they can't say, um, I'm an alcoholic or I'm an addict because they recognize they have control. They can, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. make choices. And it's, it's funny. So denial is a failure to recognize reality. People said all the time, and you probably heard this too, 
the denial. It's not just a river in Egypt. I mean, I always heard that joke every 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 day I worked almost, you know. Oh, you're in denial. You're in denial. We had one place where we had about 100 people come through the clinic um, every morning, you know, and we were always confronting them and challenging them and talking to them and saying, you're in denial. You're denying this. You're denying it. But actually, they were the ones that were true by saying they weren't an alcoholic, they and they actually had power to make choices. At that, you know, at that time, I was all in on the disease concept that you're talking mm-hmm. about. I believed it. I was all in, and then I would. But we would tell them they're in denial. But really, they were actually saying, "No, I can make choices. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not, you know, enslaved to this unless I want to be enslaved to it and allow myself mm-hmm. to be that." And I think that's kind of what this is hitting on as well. That the, it's the choice idea, and a lot of people would say, "Well." You know, they they see the addicted as victims, as people who um, are sufferers. It's not their fault, um, and that they're they're victims of this. And so, you know, you're trying to help them to see that they're helpless, and they're and when they say, uh, "I'm I'm not helpless. I'm not an alcoholic," they're actually telling the truth. It is a choice. And um, now you can be enslaved by a drug and, and you know, and, and get to where your body physically depends upon it. So dependency is true. But this mm-hmm. idea that it's a disease, that I don't have any power, I'm truly helpless, is what you just nailed, Andy, and said it's not a biblical uh, principle. It's not anything in the Bible that tells us that, you know, in, in this area, this one area of, of drunkenness, idolatry, sin, addiction, as the world calls it. You know, one of the uh, <clears throat> ideas just, you know, in, a, in an AA sense is, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, for instance, would describe addiction as cunning and baffling and powerful. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you could even say maybe the idea would be something like that you would have to keep in mind that addiction is cunning and, and baffling and powerful because it's not cured and it still lies in the background. It's, um, you know, it, it's this ongoing, um, idea and that works itself out in your, in your life that says, um, you're never really able to escape it. It's, it's, it's genetic. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, deeply wired inside of you and that, um, you'll never, ever really be able to escape it. It's, it's probably why at some level it's, it's listed as step one. And Hey, we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. And so the idea that you can't make changes and that you, you can't be done with addiction is just, it's, it's not a biblical idea. <laughs> you can say nonsense or hogwash if you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, you're, you're, you're right. And you're right because you're on the side of scripture and, and that's what we really want people to, to know this whole d- denial thing, you know, yes, people sometimes are deceived. 
Sometimes they do deny the truth. But what I like about Dodes, denial is a failure to recognize reality. In reality, they're recognizing reality and saying, hey, I'm not helpless. I can say no to this. I can make choices. I can do the right thing and and get out of this addictive problem. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's funny to me that here a guy, God uses a guy like Dr. Dotus, who's, again, not a believer. There's Stanton Peel, too. He's another guy wrote a book, The Truth About Addiction and Recovery. I mean, one of his first chapters, Why It Doesn't Make Sense to Call Addiction a Disease. Why It Doesn't Make Sense to Call Addiction a Disease. And these are guys, again, who aren't, aren't Christians. They aren't aligned with us spiritually. But as far as attacking this problem, they understand, they see it very clearly in, in, in the way that someone is really truly responsible for the choices they make. If we, if we don't do that, really, it's unloving, it's hopeless, and to me, it does uh, violence against the gospel message, against the Bible. We have an opportunity to tell people the truth, to empower them by saying, all have sinned and fallen short of the God, you know, of the glory of God. You've sinned, I've sinned, we've all sinned, and you know, you're choosing to sin in a way where you're getting out of control, using substances to extreme, uh, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and, and the heart motives that drive that uh, are are typically the sinful ones that I deal with. But you're 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 a sinner, but you're gonna find hope in Jesus Christ, and and there is hope. He can change you from inside out by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God working in your heart to help you to desire the right things. And to say anything different than that is um, not, you know, you and I as counseling pastors, we can't, we can't do that. We have to tell people the truth. Now, whether or not they accept it or reject it, that's on them. But um, I really appreciate uh, your your stance on this and your your thinking on this and you know the twelve step program quite well because you taught it and uh, and or, or were involved you know in in that I mean that that's the only way that people know and so we have to tell them hey there's a different way the Bible's different than twelve steps that's the thing that kills me um, people say all the time twelve steps have Christian roots and it's Christian and it's no, there are a lot of principles in the twelve-step self-help world. A lot of principles that go against the, the the word of God, and you and I have to stand on truth. This, aren't you glad God pulled you out of all that? No, every day I thank the Lord <laughs> every day, and I, you know, I, um, I love scripture because it's true and it's right. And it, it offers the hope that people need. That's what it is. It, God offers the hope that people need. And, it, you know, like, for instance, I'm reminded of, uh, of uh, Ezekiel 36:26. I'll, I'll give you a new heart, yeah. God says, and, and a new spirit I'll put within you. Like what people need are, are new transformed hearts with new perspectives and um, biblical ideas about how to do and what to do. And 
uh, it's the Bible offers the hope that people need that when you're wrapped up in all these secular systems and ideas of thought, to think that a person uh, can't say no, that if they say no, I'm not like that anymore, that they're in denial, just offers no hope whatsoever. The Bible offers hope to move forward. That's what I'd say. Amen. When we forward, the Bible offers hope to move forward, and God will give you a new heart, and he'll help you see things different. He'll transform you and put you on a path of growth and change uh, that you just would never see without him. He needs to give us new hearts. Everything about us is sin-tainted, is sin-affected, and what we need is Jesus and his work inside of us. Amen. Well, Andy, thank you for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate you uh, joining me, brother. Thank you. Well, thank you for asking me, Mark. It's been a been a pleasure. Well, Andy is the counseling pastor at Living Waters Fellowship in Des Moines, Iowa. LWFDesMoines.com is the website, and uh, I would encourage you if you're looking for a church in that area, go visit these guys. He and Josh, and I've met some of the other uh, staff members. I know they love the Lord, and they love to shepherd people. It's why they're getting involved in biblical counseling and, and helping the people in their church. And I just am so thankful for that. And, um, you know, and Andy's a guy very gifted in uh, meeting with people one-on-one and, and being very gentle. You, you hear that uh, in this podcast, even the— the gentle approach, it's not condemning. He doesn't look down on people. He meets them where they are, points them to truth, points them to Jesus, and prays for them and asks God to work in their hearts. And so um, he's a guy that you can talk to. So I hope you'll take advantage of that in um, in the Des Moines area and go to that church and visit them at Living Waters Fellowship. So um Well, thanks, Andy. We will wrap up this series. This has been myth number eight and number 10 on the Addiction Connection podcast. The series has been Myths of Addiction. And again, we use Dr. Dotus, his myths. We agree with them. We're just trying to take them a step further and help you to think about them from a biblical perspective. If you want more information on this and some other things that, that I teach on, on this topic, we have a course on the website, on the Addiction Connection website. It's called The Bible Versus Self-Help Philosophies, and there are 29 lessons or so, and you can you can get that. I mean, I do a critique of Celebrate Recovery, of AA, of um, uh, different things. I even have one that's how to graciously counsel a 12-stepper, talk about the myths of addiction, and compare idolatry and addiction, and just to try to help you think through this issue from a biblical perspective, that's what um, that course is all about, and it's available to you. Now you can you can order that on our website. So, um, so there's lots of things out there to help you if you really want to think about this uh, issue from a biblical perspective. But I want to thank Andy again. Thanks for being on the podcast, bro, and, um, and I hope you'll join me again. Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks so much, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Take care and God bless.